0: We continue the story from last week, Acts, the ninth chapter. We're going to pick up with verse 10. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias? And he answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to a street called Straight. At the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he is praying. And he has seen a vision, a man named Ananias, come in and lay his hands on him so he might regain his sight. But, isn't that so true of us? But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here, he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go. Go for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes. His sight was restored, and he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. We, we just can't understand this story because we got here this morning. Nobody paid attention to us coming in the worship space. No one paid attention to us coming in Sunday school classes. No one's going to be in the parking lot writing notes on who left. No one watches if we worship No one's going to arrest us. No one's going to haul us before religious authorities. No one's certainly going to harm us for our faith. But that was not the case with Ananias. You see, Ananias knew what Saul had done in Jerusalem. It had spread like wildfire through the community called Christians. Ananias knew that Saul was on his way to Damascus that he had warrants that if he found anyone who were followers of the way, Christians, he could haul them out of their homes, haul them down to Jerusalem, have them tried by the Sanhedrin, and stone them to death. Saul was a bloodthirsty terrorist who hated Christians. And Ananias knew it. And we don't know all that Ananias felt, but we know that Ananias was afraid of Saul, that he feared him. And the word of God comes to Ananias, and Ananias is told, go, go to where Saul is. And Ananias responds the way most people in the church respond when you get an overwhelming sense that you ought to be doing something for God, that God really wants you doing this. The Christian response is no, not going to do it. We're kind of like Moses. Shepherd of Midian for 40 years sees the burning bush, approaches the burning bush, the burning Lord speaks to him from the burning bush and says, I've heard the cries of my people down in Egypt. Now I want you to go and talk to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses responds with a lot of faith and tells God, no, I'm not going. Now he was more subtle than that. He started out and gave God three good excuses and his fourth excuse basically was this, Lord, Send somebody else. I don't want to do it. Doesn't fit on my calendar. It's not in my schedule. I can't make room for it in my life. Jonah, God says to Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, that evil Assyrian city, and I want you to preach against Nineveh. And Jonah doesn't say no. He just gets on a cruise ship and goes the other direction. And Jonah finds himself in the belly of a fish, spit back up on the shore of Nineveh, and God says, hey, Jonah, go. Oh, there are Old Testament stories about people telling God no, but we're New Testament people, right? Well, there's this guy that comes up to Jesus one day says, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you know the commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, your neighbors, yourself, and all the other commandments. You shall not do this, this, this. And the young man said to Jesus, yeah, I know that. I grew up in church. I've heard all those my life. I've lived all those commandments. And Jesus looked at him and the scripture says and loved him because he was true, righteous guy. And Jesus says, fella, you just lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have. Give the money to the poor. Come and follow me and you will have eternal life. And you know what the rich young ruler told Jesus? No. Not going to do it. God's people are good at telling him no. Oh, we do it in pious ways. We're still doing the same thing. We're telling God, uh uh-uh. Not gonna do what you want me to do. Ananias tries this with God. Look, Lord, maybe you haven't heard what this guy's doing. He's killing people like me and my family. He's still got the blood on the hems of his garments from stoning Stephen. He's come here to haul us all back to Jerusalem, Lord. Don't you know? No, I don't wanna do it. And God gives Ananias a little more information and says, look, he's an instrument I've chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings even to Israel. And I'm going to show him how much he's going to suffer. I know he's making you suffer and you're afraid of him, but he's going to suffer in his ministry. And Paul does describe his suffering." Have you heard it? It's found in 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. He says... I've endured countless floggings, often near death. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received the stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. For a night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and sisters, and toil and hardship through many a sleeping. Night, hungry and thirsty, often without food, clothes, cold, and naked. Paul will suffer as a servant of Jesus. So God tells Ananias, Look, I know you don't want to go, but go. Go. Ananias, in describing Paul, or Saul, has said to God, this man, this man, this man. And the first words out of Ananias' mouth to Saul are, brother Saul. For the first time in his life, Saul was addressed as a Christian brother, And Ananias laid his hands on Saul and prayed for him and scales fell off of his eyes and and Saul could see. And it's not hard to imagine that Ananias baptizes Saul. And in the old ritual of baptism, planted in the likeness of his death as Saul goes into the water and as he's lifted up the words, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Saul, in that encounter with Ananias, moved from being a persecutor of the church to one who would prove to all that Jesus was the Messiah. We need people like Ananias in the church. People who are not in the forefront, but round back. People who are praying, people who are willing to do what God wants them to do when God wants them to do it. People who are willing to say yes, even if it's the way we Christians say yes, which most of us starts with no, I'm going to give you a good, hearty no. And then it's explained. And the no becomes a tentative, yeah, okay, but I'm still not sure about it. When God leads, there are four things that happen when God leads. First thing that happens, surprises. Surprises are always a part of God's leading. I love how the writer of Hebrews describes Abraham. By faith, by faith Abraham did what? He obeyed when he was called to set out for a place. He was to receive as an inheritance and he set out. Here's the important part, not knowing where he was going. Part of the surprise of following God is not knowing. Part, part of God's leadership is to surprise us, to bring joy that we never imagined, to put us in places we couldn't conceive of, to connect us with people we we don't know and don't ever imagine knowing. You know, we are just so You know, if I did a religious survey this morning, I find out that 95% of you drove to church the same way you always drive to church. You've been driving to church ever since this place has been here. The same way all the time. I don't need to find another way. I know a good way. It only takes me this long to get to church, back and forth, back and forth, because we are creatures of habit. Our habits comfort us. Our habits give rhythm and boundary and meaning to our lives. We don't want to mess up our habit, and we don't want to hear that God surprises us. Ananias was probably making a disaster plan with his wife and children. Okay, if we see Saul at the door, everybody skedaddle. Don't talk to Saul. Don't talk to people around Saul. We can get out of Damascus. We can hide in the caves for a little while. They're making a disaster plan. It's as though Hurricane Saul is coming ashore, and they're worried that Jim Cantore is going to show up next, and it's going to be a real disaster. They got a plan, and God surprises them. Surprise is always a part of God's leading. Second thing, surprises intensify our need for faith. If God is going to surprise us, if God is going to get us out of our habits, if God is going to move us in different directions, we need faith to do that. And when he is surprising us and we're following along, that faith gets intensified. Can you see Ananias walking to Judas's house? It's on Straight Street. It's like point A, point B. The GPS doesn't have to work hard to tell you the quickest way to get there. And I can see Ananias, he's walking so deliberately to get there. He is not in a hurry to get there. He's looking for ways to detour. He's looking for something he can claim distracted him. And Ananias gets to Judas's house and he knocks boldly on the door. He's hoping nobody shows up. Please don't be here. Judas flings open the door. Ananias says, Hi, Judas, I'm Ananias. And Judas said, Yeah, I know. Paul's been talking about you. Paul's this way. And Ananias comes up behind Paul, and this is how he really said it Brother Saul. So, 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 so. Now, there's no indication he stuttered. I've just given you the Doug and Reed version of the text. Because he's scared to death. And he's behind Ananias, he's behind Saul because he doesn't want Saul to open his eyes and see him. He wants to be able to escape in case uh, this isn't going to work out the way God wants it to. But with each step, Ananias' faith had to get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. When's the last time you did something that required faith? Forty-three years ago, I fell off the turnip truck. It went from small town in Alabama to New Orleans, because that's what some of us people did going to seminary. Holy cow. Alabama did not prepare me for New Orleans. And with each subsequent step in ministry, it's required greater faith. We were talking this week when we um, we left Arcadia. It was I don't know ninety four, and we were going to a big church in Baton Rouge, and it was you know cushy appointment. It was good for Dad. Got the big church, but our daughter Allison was. Curious that we moved her away from all her family, all of her friends. She knew all of Arcadia, Louisiana, and we knew most of them too. And Allison literally wouldn't speak to me for a year because I moved her. And then she found out I didn't have to move, that the mean old bishop didn't make me move, that it was up to me to move. She decided she wasn't going to speak to me for six more months. It took faith to live with that and live through that. And each subsequent year in ministry, it's taken greater faith because God is leading and sometimes the surprises of ministry call for faith. Number three, stepping out in faith always brings clarification of God's plans. Stepping out in faith always brings clarification of God's plans. Ananias baptized Saul very likely and then heard Saul in the synagogues. And heard Saul how he preached and heard Saul how he was just bold in his witness for Jesus Christ. And suddenly as Ananias was listening and as Ananias' faith act became more clear in what Saul was doing, Ananias is going, ah, that's what God was up to. And then fourth, our obedience to God and following and doing what he commanded us to do always stimulates our growth as Christians. That's a word you don't hear much in church anymore. Obedience. Rides are still asking me, when I do the wedding vows, do I have to promise to obey? No, we took them out of the wedding vows in 1844. They've been gone that long. But my question is, Obedience happens out of love. Obedience happens out of wanting the best for the other. Obedience is something that brings constancy and protection to a loving relationship. Surprises are always a part of God's leading. Surprises Intensify our need for faith. Stepping out in faith always brings clarification of God's plans. And obedience always stimulates growth. You know, John 15 hides there in the New Testament. Jesus said, I am the vine, you're the branches, those who abide in me. You know, you're gonna bring forth much fruit. But Jesus also in that that chapter starts talking about pruning and being cut back and that always made me nervous but I do it with rose bushes they bloom and I cut them back they bloom and I cut them back they bloom and they're cut back why? So they keep blooming and blooming and blooming. And the rose bushes have become somewhat obedient to the trimming. Because their job is to be rose bushes, for heaven's sakes. Their job is to bloom and bring joy and beauty. I'm just helping those rose bushes do their jobs. Following God means obeying God. It means that sometimes even when God surprises us, we need to do what he tells us to do. And it's in that obedience that our faith is shaped, that our faith is challenged, that we grow as Christians. The church needs a bunch of people that are like Ananias, that are willing to say to God, nah, I'm not too sure about this guy, Lord. Who are willing to say, I I need more information, Lord. But who are willing to go and to say yes. Who are willing to get out there on the limb, way out there on the limb. The only thing keeping you out there is faith the church needs people like Ananias who are working behind the scenes, praying and praising and serving. Because Ananias, he got his 15 verses of scripture and then he disappears from the story of Acts. But church history catches up with him. The first bishop of Damascus a fella named Ananias. You never know what God's gonna do through you. You never know what life God is going to transform because you were obedient to his leadership. Would you stand and pray with me? We hope, Lord, that when you call us, it's to something easy, and something that won't mess up our plans or our life. And we pray, Lord, that if you call us to another task, and you call us to do something that surprises us, we would have the faith and the hope and the love to hear your call, heed your call, and be obedient as you guide us. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.